Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Believe in OK State podcast. I am Megan Robinson. Joined, of course, by Justin Southwell and Eve Patoba. Guys, seven weeks until college football kicks off, but like, who's counting? Not Yo, I tell you what, I'm I'm counting. I'm definitely counting. Yeah, this this that time of the year where there's not a lot sustaining us right now. You know, uh, Wimbledon is about to wrap up this week. You got, you know, MLB is kind of on an all-star break right now, so there's no action happening there. So it's really just golf, the occasional UFC fight. Yo, let's, I'm ready for college football, man. Let's get this thing cracking. I'm ready to see some orange and black in Boone Picking Stadium. It's time. We need, yeah, we need football. Just everything's better as a nation whenever we have college football going on. It's time. Yes, it is. We kind of do it. Well, not kind of. We do do an episode a week, so I've sort of been counting down looking at our episodes, I'm like episode 47, we did have that one emergency episode. So we're a week ahead, but by the time we get to episode 53, guys, it'll be here. We Come are, we yeah. are, we are close. And it feels even closer nice. because this week was big 12 media days, exciting stuff ahead for the conference. I was there yesterday along with six other teams who were there in the big 12. Uh, Mike Gundy kind of made news yesterday he was sort of the not made news i won't say made news but he was sort of the talk of media days after his uh group press conference several people came up to me and the rest of the oklahoma state people were like wow gundy gundy had the best comments that was the most excitement that we saw of any of the press conferences i don't think he stirred the pot but he definitely uh did not mince words when it came to oklahoma and bedlam we will get to that in a second first of all he had positive things and encouraging things to say about big, the big 12 commission. He said that we have the most innovative commissioner in all of sports and that the big 12 is the most exciting conference. Oh. Well, you know, that's because we have Jay-Z as a commissioner of the big 12 conference. You know, every time I think of Brett Yormark, I think of rock nation. When I think of rock nation, I think of Jay-Z. So when he talks about your mark being the most innovative commissioner, I mean, yo, everything right now, Gundy said everything right now is about marketing, sales, and promotions. This guy comes in and he solidifies a deal right away um, in a very innovative manner, right? Fox and ESPN deal through 2031. If he doesn't do that right away, there are a whole bunch of things that just don't matter. And then uh, the news just came out that he has a deal with the AT&T Stadium through 2030. So, you know, we got that solidified. And then not to mention, Brett Yormark himself said that he's trying to live on the intersection of culture and sports. And I mean, who knows how to do that better than Jay-Z, right? So this is where we at, man. Brett Yormark, he out here getting it done. The Rock is in the building. We're going to get more to Yormark in a little bit, Eve. So save your excitement for later (laughs) on in this episode. But one of the other things Gundy said about the Big 12 is that it's the most exciting conference in football because you don't know what's going to happen. There yeah. have been six different teams to have played for a Big 12 title 
in the last three seasons. Justin, what do you make of Gundy's comments? Uh, yeah, I guess that's that's kind of true. I would, I don't know. <laughs> like the Pac-12 is kind of the same way. I guess it's pretty much assumed USC is going to win it, but you know, Oregon, Washington, Utah. Utah, and Oregon State are all kind of also in the running for it, and they all have great quarterbacks. Uh, whereas the Big Twelve, I feel like the quarterback play is probably a little bit down compared to the Big Twelve or compared to the Pac twelve. Um, so if they're going to be the most exciting conference, then something else is going to have to get like running backs, receivers have some exciting defense going on just to stand out above the Pac 12, stand out above the SEC, just because you don't know what's going to happen. There's still great play across the SEC, Big 10, ACC, and yeah, I feel like just because you don't know what's going to happen as far as who is going to play in the big 12 championship, looking at it on July 13th. I don't know that that makes, makes it for the most exciting conference in my opinion, but I, I see what he's trying to say, I guess. Yeah. I, I would say we're just more evenly matched. Like whenever you compare us to the PAC 12, you know, you pretty much have like three teams that could potentially win the, the PAC 12, really two. Okay. And then after that, it's just, it's just like, okay, who who could possibly be the third best team in the conference? And then with us, it's like you really don't know who the number one team is. Like you really don't. You know, people are talking about OU and Texas as preseason. Well, not OU so much, but Texas, TCU as preseason favorites. But a lot has changed. I love the composition of the conference right now, to be honest with you. And then you have four new members that are coming in, which is another factor, right? So, you know, with Cincinnati, BYU, UCF, Houston, which one of those could be the one that's almost like that sleeper team that nobody's really paying attention to. So I think it presents a great opportunity for a lot of eyeballs to actually like just, you know, come onto the conference and try to figure this thing out. I think another advantage that we have over the Pac-12 is that people actually watch the Big 12 conference, right? Like the Pac-12 is going to have a terrible TV deal. And, you know, there's that West Coast bias, unbiased that exists. So, yeah, man, there's um, I think the Big 12 has a lot of things going for us, man. I like the direction of our conference. To East Point, too, I think that in other conferences, there are perennial favorites in the SEC, Alabama, Georgia, Big Ten, Michigan, Ohio State. You can maybe throw Penn State into that conversation, never count Penn State out, ACC, Clemson. Whereas in the Big 12, I mean, right now, Texas was picked to win the Big 12, but I feel like no matter what, there is a question mark with Texas because every year Texas is, Texas is back and every year they fall short of expectations. And in, in, in the Pac-12, it's been kind of USC at the top, Oregon, but then Oregon kind of has fallen below standards as well. So I think that to East Point, there is much evenly, it's much more evenly matched across the board in the Big 12. And I feel like that's more of what Gundy's saying is that you're, it's not, you know, I don't think anyone would be surprised if certain teams in other conferences were to win. You have a couple top favorites, but in the Big 12, look at TCU from last year. You know, yeah. uh, so we'll see. We're going to get more into where we stand in the Big 12 a little bit later as we talk about some more specific Oklahoma State team things. But first, I had mentioned early that Gundy made some comments about Bedlam. People kept asking him, how do you feel about it going away? This is the last Bedlam for the foreseeable future. And Gundy was very clear that he was not upset that Bedlam was ending. He did not mince words when asked about continuing the rivalry. He said, it is ending because OU chose to go to the SEC. It has nothing to do with OSU. He said, Oklahoma State is not going to change their schedule and what they need to do because 
OU is going to the SEC. So he said if they wanted Bedlam to stay, they didn't need to leave. And people were kind of shocked by that at Media Days. I felt like people were like, wow, he said that. And to me, I'm like. Yeah, duh. Like, and 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 it's not even so much that um am i still here are y'all frozen yeah oh, okay i'm here all right it's, it's not even so much that hey oh you said they they made the decision that they didn't want bedlam to continue so they're leaving the conference it's just so that they, it was just in the dark you mm-hmm. know like they didn't include oklahoma state in any of the conversations whatsoever and whenever that happens you know you kind of you're side-eyeing them a little bit like bro what, what are we doing like we've been doing this thing for you know, for, for a century now. And all of a sudden, you know, you just kind of want to leave us out of these talks. But if you really wanted to, like, if we really wanted to, we could schedule a Bedlam game, like, you know, pretty soon. Like, we we probably could. You could. However, to Gundy's point, he's saying, why should we do that? Because we, yeah. I mean, if you look at college football schedules, we're playing Colorado in like 2035 and Alabama in like 10 years from now. Like schedules, non-conference games are scheduled so far in advance and yes could we get rid of a game like a central arkansas or an arizona state where it's like and this doesn't really do much for us for ou but gundy's point is why should we have to cancel what's already been scheduled for 5 10 15 years to accommodate ou who basically said gave the big 12 the middle finger i was like we're bouncing you know i ain't trying to accommodate ou whatsoever yeah and my friend who I, I saw him at Media Days, he's a anchor, uh, a sports anchor down in Dallas. And I was talking to him about Gundy's comments because people, you know, again, after the press conferences, Gundy was one of the last coaches to speak to everybody before they broke off. And everyone's like, oh, my gosh, that's the, that's the news story. That's the excitement. <laughs> and he, you know, my friend and I were talking and we weren't surprised by it. And he also brought up the good point that OSU has every right to feel kind of slighted because although the football rivalry has been a little lopsided, Bedlam is bedlam and it's, it's a huge, huge across the state. Yeah. for the school however OU made the choice to preserve the texas rivalry and not oklahoma states well yeah, yeah. I, i'm kind of with you mega as far as not being surprised by it because gundy has already mentioned this at the beginning of spring practice we've kind of been on this story non-story for a while for a while so n- now that it's like getting more national i mean gunny's saying the exact same things that he said a few months ago so yeah none of this is like new under the sun in in my eyes but i mean welcome to the conversation everybody else yeah it's not like he's switching up um anything but yeah i mean to your point meg it really is a huge deal for the state of oklahoma right like bedlam everywhere like you know bedlam has a a, a title sponsor you know what i mean like it's a huge deal money making opportunities i understand why texas and ou and the red river rivalry would you know want to stay together it is a bigger rivalry um business wise fan wise all those things but yeah um it kind of sucks but i will say and i've said it in the past i think it's a good thing for osu in the long run and in the short term because I think that getting away from OU, you know, I hate to say it, hate to admit it, but that team has kind of had our number. <laughs> They've had our number for way too long. So getting away from them uh, allows us to position ourselves as hopefully the next big dog in the conference. That's why we got to win. And I, I like it as like, I mean, with it being a natural rivalry, in-state rivalry, I'm going to miss that aspect of it. And now we have to kind of manufacture a rivalry moving forward like is it going to be texas tech is it going to be kansas state tc yeah. whatever the case is whereas you just have you know OU right there but like you're talking about eve i mean they've had our number so why continue to 
perpetuate that in a future schedule whenever yeah. i mean what are we expecting honestly with with a number of opportunities we've had as good as oklahoma state has been over the last 15 years under coach gundy he's won three times so i mean until until gundy moves on uh i don't expect them to try to keep playing bedlam to be honest and why should they? Is why should they? I think also just, you know, not surprised by Gundy's comments. I don't necessarily think it was what he said. It was how he said it. And he directly like called out OU. Uh, and I feel like that was the most direct I've ever heard him on the topic. He's, I mean, he hasn't really hit him behind. That's true. Him, yeah. But that was the most direct I've ever heard him say that, which could have been, what kind of caused a stir but again it's it's not surprising and why should we why should yeah. we change what we're doing to help OU out and keep that going yeah you know what up to this point dr casey shrum has been the primary person that has just been like yo no filter i'm gonna let you know i'm talking about OU and how mm -hmm. cowardice they are and i think you know a, a little bit of that rubbed off on gundy a little bit i, I i've loved every single time that she has taken shots at OU. And I think Chad Weiberg kind of tagged along for a little bit. And now you're starting to see it from Gundy. So hey, anytime people say negative things about OU, I ain't mad. I'm totally fine with that. As long as you're able to back it up. Like the last thing I want to see is Brett Yormark, coach Gundy talking mess on OU in Texas, leaving the conference. And then for them to turn around and be the two teams in the big 12 championship game, like you're going to have to back it up across the big 12 conference to make sure that neither one of those teams is representing the big 12. Well, your mark wasn't really saying anything negative about those two teams. And he actually called that this season would be a celebration and that they'd be celebrating the eight teams that are staying, the four teams that are joining, and also celebrating what OU and Texas have done for the conference since they've been members. So I don't, I don't feel like your mark. He, he did say something that was a little bit of a slight to OU and Texas based yeah. on the recruiting and how they haven't been able to necessarily carry the conference was the perception nationally. Yeah. It's like, well, they haven't in the last three years, we've had six different teams play in the big 12 championship game. So OU and Texas haven't been carrying the conference as it is perceived across the rest of the country. Fair. So, I mean, and, and it's, it's true, but it also is a little bit of a slight to OU in Texas. Now that's the thing. You, if you say that now, like I said, make sure that they're not the ones playing in the big 12 championship at the end of the year. <laughs> that's so yeah. true. Yeah. 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 Cause even though it wasn't necessarily um, a slight, all he did was tell the truth and it just turns out that the truth comes right. off as an insult. Truth hurts, baby. Truth hurts. Well, let's talk a little Football, Oklahoma State specific football. One, one last thing as we're talking about Texas and OU leaving. Gundy said he will trust whatever the commissioner decides is best for the conference going forward. Although he hates realignment, he will trust your mark and your mark we trust. But talking football, a little more X's and O's stuff. The other stuff that Gundy talked about, he one of the big points he was making at media day in regards to football and scheming is an emphasis on the run game this season. Obviously there is a new clock rule in effect, which will allow the clock to run late in the fourth quarter. He said that that had no impact on his decision to emphasize the run game. This decision was made before that rule was even approved because last season they played nearly half their games with an experienced quarterback under center, had no run game 
And that put a lot of pressure on inexperienced QBs. So running the the ball takes pressure off the quarterback. Guys, last season, our offensive line had a lot of injuries. And although the run game takes pressure off the quarterback, it puts more pressure on the O-line to create gaps. What do you think of this plan? I think it's solid. I mean, especially with what we have going as far as our depth at running back, we brought in a transfer. Uh, we still had two solid guys coming back and yeah, I mean, to make sure that Alan Bowman stays healthy, that's going to be a key factor. Um, so you can't have him dropping back 60 times a game. You're going to need to be able to run the ball. And for that gap scheme, like we've been, you know, wanting them to switch to since middle of last season, whenever Spencer Sanders went down, Yeah, it's like, all right, well, you can't switch your blocking scheme in the middle of the season. Yeah. Well, now we get the opportunity to do that. And, uh, hopefully that'll take shape and play to an advantage for Oklahoma state. And I think it will. Yeah, there was a little bit of shuffling that went around on the offensive line. So I don't even know what kind of scheme we're going to be coming out with, right? You have your wide zone, you have your inside zone, you have your power gap schemes. And depending on how big our linemen are, you know, like if we're going to run a power gap type of system, um, you have to make sure that, you know, we have larger linemen um, than in a zone blocking scheme. So whenever you're actually running, a zone scheme, it tells us the back exactly where to go. So it also depends on just how quick your back, your running back can think on his feet. Um, If you're running a power scheme, it it asks the back to actually like make quick decisions all the time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we we have RB1. We know who the number one guy is going to be. He has experience under his belt. So hopefully that gives us an opportunity for him to, you know, kind of think quicker on his feet, run more of a power scheme, especially if we're bringing in a cowboy back to kind of help in that. But, um, yeah, a lot of that is just going to depend on what our offensive line can do, especially when it comes to, you know, some of that shuffling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, I, I mean, I, I think that a lot of people are maybe going to be surprised. Other, I would say other people like other defenses in the Big 12, they're probably going to be surprised that we have the depth that we have. And then we're going to be looking at, you know, Nixon come in and carving the defense up on a, on a long run. And be like, that's their third string guy? Are you guys serious right now? So I'm excited for that. Yeah, I uh, I talked to Preston Wilson yesterday uh, a little bit, one of our offensive linemen. He was center last season. He's moving to guard. This is his fourth position that he's playing on the offensive line. And wow. in, in his time at Oklahoma State, he's one of the more senior players. I mean, he's a fifth-year senior, so obviously he's a veteran. There are seven red – I believe it's seven red shirt seniors on the offensive line this season, which I think really – helps out with that experience. And he said that the group of guys that they have in that locker room is great. He's really confident in them. He said that they are uh, picking up on the new scheme. Well, he's enjoying learning it, learning it. He's enjoying playing guard and they're excited. He said that in the, um, during spring camp, he said it, everything seemed to be going well and they were picking up on the scheme and the run game looked good. Obviously that's spring ball. You yeah. not game, but he seemed very optimistic about what they have. So I'm excited to to see that. With so much experience coming back on the offensive line, right, especially with all these red shirts that are coming in there with these fifth-year guys coming in there, the most important thing – well, two things. One, physicality. Like, we had to establish that physicality. I don't think that that was necessarily there last year. I mean, nobody thinks that was there last year. We saw what happened. But secondly, with a new QB coming into this system, one of the most important things that we can do, like the biggest threat that you have is a play-action game. If we and we know he's not going to be as mobile as Spencer Sanders, right? He's probably going to be mobile, but he ain't no Spencer Sanders. Mm. But if we can 
establish a run game that actually makes play action a threat, that's just going to take our offense so much further than we can than we have been um, over the past couple of seasons. Because um, the run game honestly hasn't been great since. Well, you had the Chuba Chuba years, and then you had Jalen, uh, who came Warren. in afterwards. But yeah, Jalen Warren. But you know, we we we've been lacking in that area. So hopefully, this is that year where we're able to get so good at the run that people actually fear the threat of the run in play action. And the other thing that has given me a little bit of optimism is, I mean, part of me has a little hesitation because I'm like, all right, it's the same group of guys. Like, are we just going to run it back and expect to see something different? Or is this a definition of insanity where we're doing the same thing over and over again and seeing the same results? Well, I mean, we're changing up the, the running scheme. So I think it will be different. Yeah. Where I do have a little bit of, uh, I guess, hesitation toward that is like, are these the guys that are fit for the job? Like they weren't recruited to necessarily do that. And so, I mean, that's why it's just this season. You just don't know. That's why I think that yeah. Oklahoma State is ranked where they're ranked in the preseason rankings. Uh, and you can't really fault the rankings people for that. But at the same time, it's like, man, I mean, Gundy has been doing this for almost 20 years, averaging like nine wins a season and one down season. And you're going to have us ranked that low versus OU who had a worse season and they're ranked at like number two. So two or three. Yeah, whatever. It's I guess Kansas State's in front of them. Mm -hmm. But still, it's like OSU doesn't get that kind of respect. And it's like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah, I will say, man, so much pressure is going to be just on the coordinators. I mean, you have a first-year defensive coordinator. You have, um, you know, of course, our offensive coordinator who's been here for a while, and he's been a part of the program even before he was OC. But, yeah, man, there's a way to even out-scheme a bad um, personnel group. If you Honestly, it's not even so much out-scheming as much as it's going to be about quarterback play. A QB can cover up a lot of the deficiencies on an offensive line. Um, You know, one of the most underrated things that a quarterback has is his actual cadence. Like whenever he goes up to the line and if, if he knows how to do that well, then, you know, we, we we should be all right. If he can get some free plays, some penalties, um, if he knows how to um, get rid of the ball quickly, like taking advantage of the the short game, all of that helps the run game out. But yeah, I think Munkin is actually like just the master of that, especially the cadence. Yeah. Because they would run up, uh, you know, we'd get a big chunk play and immediately go run up for another play just really quick. And you would expect them just to snap the ball immediately because you're you're lining up. It's, it's you know, fast paced. Well, if you do a quick count versus, you know, on two, you got a guy jumping off sides and catch him in the neutral zone. And you got a free play. Just throw it deep. You already got a receiver that knows what's going on. Uh, I think that there are, I don't know. Like I, I feel like I haven't seen that out of OSU's offense. Yeah, well, mostly you see you see that shotgun and the guy standing back there, and then he claps his hands waiting for the yeah. snap. I'm like, why do we not take advantage of you know the cadence? That's yeah. that's a huge component, right? And it's a secret weapon if you know how to use it correctly. Absolutely. One thing I want to note for those who are not do not know, Oklahoma State was picked seventh in the Big Twelve. Justin was talking about the low ranking picked seventh in the big 12 this year, but it's fine. Let's be underdogs. Let's be this year's TCU. It's fine. You guys are talking about the quarterback. You're acting like Bowman is sure thing. That's a QB one. He has not officially been named quarterback. He Gundy has said the competition will continue throughout the summer. 
Uh, Orange Tuono commented on a show from a couple weeks ago asking if Bowman has it in the bag. And I think he kind of does. Based on what I saw last year from Rangel, I don't think that he is QB1 ready unless he's made great strides in this offseason. I think Bowman has the experience. But again, Gundy is saying it's not a done deal. We have QB competition starting in a couple weeks. Yeah, I will say, hell, if there is one thing that we have seen with Gundy, what history has shown us is that whenever there is uncertainty at the QB uh, position, you kind of don't know how the season is going to play out, right? <laughs> like, you you know, we saw it with Clint Shelf and J.W. Walsh. You kind of saw it with uh, with Wes Lunt whenever he came into the program. You saw it with Dax Garman. Like, he he might make a complete switch in the middle of the season, right? And that's that's the thing that's just kind of frustrating. You're just like, yo, let's let's call somebody. Let's name somebody the starter and and – rally around that individual and go full steam ahead yeah i mean i i don't know i feel like it's generic coach talk at that point it's kind of like you brought him in to to get the job done he's competing for that starting position he's expected to lead the cowboy offense but you know you you absolutely need to have your backup qbs ready to step up at any given moment uh, especially with a guy who has had the injury history that he has had and true you need to have your second team guy taking first team reps i think just to be able to to get a feel for if he needs to step in and and take over yeah but does that take away from the reps that the first team guy is supposed to take if he's inexperienced right i think that's where you know it, it's a little bit of a push and pull there but you know who mm-hmm. knows central arkansas will never see it coming whatever we got going on they yeah and unless we just kind of play two quarterbacks or three quarterbacks for Central Arkansas, so that Arizona State then the following week doesn't see it coming, who knows what we're planning on doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, those are the games that you have on your schedule to make sure that those guys get quality game reps so that they get the experience. Um, Don't sleep on Arizona State. That might not be a little. That, that, there's no saying that that's going to be a pushover game, man. Everything that I'm hearing out of that program is that their new head coach. You know, I know he's like 33 years old, but that guy is the truth. We'll see. Uh, you know, Deion Sanders is the truth, but <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be a while before they win some games. I think you, we'll know, you gotta trust the process. As long as they I don't, don't, I I would never expect like somebody like that to come in and and beat Oklahoma State in the second game of his first year. Me neither. Yeah. So I'm no, not sure. to say not to say I'm like not respecting them or not. You know, I I just don't think that it's warranted to to believe we would be on upset alert if we're expected to go out and win nine, 10 games. Like it starts with obviously beating Arizona state. If you lose that game, then yeah. I mean, good luck for the rest of the season, I guess. Well, I mean, yo, check it out. It was just a couple of years ago that we had a horrible start to the year. And next thing you know, we're playing uh, against Baylor to possibly make it to the conference championship game. Like nobody expected us to be even close. Horrible to start, game. but they still won those games. Right, that's what I'm saying. So we're probably we're gonna beat Arizona State. I'm just saying, like, it's not a walkover, right? It's not a game where you can experiment with quarterbacks. Like, you have to have a sure thing going into that and make sure that you finish strong, like, so that it's not a freaking a tight game saying. in the fourth quarter. Yeah, we'll see you in less in like eight weeks, nine weeks. Let's go. <laughs> so exciting. We've talked about almost every position group on the offense except for wide receivers. Lots of turnover in that position this offseason. I talked to Brennan Presley, and he said he's excited 
about the wide receiver room. He's been impressed by the new guys mentioned Stribling as one of the guys to watch. So that's encouraging that we have some, you know, new talent that we've replaced with those guys who've left either because their eligibility ran out or they entered the portal. One thing that came across to me yesterday, guys, is that there are not questions of team chemistry. They are very happy with the guys who they have in their locker room. The guys who want to be here mm-hmm. are here, which we've, We've talked about amongst ourselves in episodes since the transfer portal chaos, but to hear it from actual guys and actually believe them, how does that help reassure Oklahoma state fans that there's not a culture problem? I mean, you you just got to take their word for it, right? Um, That's the guy that decided, I mean, Brendan Presley, he's, he's so talented. He had a, he had an opportunity to jump in the transfer portal with some of these other receivers that left. Uh, he could have been on a number of teams that have a returning quarterback. I know that that's that's something that would be um, very, I guess, in, enticing to be able to go to another offense uh, to see how you'd fit in to have a quarterback with the experience, maybe Heisman hype even, yeah. uh, to be able to contribute to that. And, and he decided to stay at Oklahoma State. And you got to commend him for it. And whenever he's talking about there's no culture issues – and these guys love each other. Uh, you know, you gotta you gotta trust that. So I, I definitely do, and and that makes me excited for what we're gonna see in this uh, next season. Yeah, no, I think it's a big deal. I think those guys that were actually sent down there for media day. I've talked to there were a couple players on the team who have told me that a couple of those guys that were there have actually stepped up as leaders, right? Stepped into leadership roles. So to hear it from the leaders, I think goes a long way um, internally as well as externally to the fans and everything. But as I've said in previous episodes, none of the talk really matters because it's not until you actually feel the resistance of the season. Whenever you go through the ebbs and flows, that's when the culture that's right. when the the tightness of the team is truly tested. So we'll see how they respond then. Yeah, culture is great when you're winning games. So Yeah, or if you're not playing games. <laughs> yeah. True. Well, again, we'll see in seven weeks. Last thing about OK State before we move on to more Big 12 topics. We've talked about Brian Nardo being named the defensive coordinator. Nardog. Yes, very exciting. The guys there, Corey Black, Colin Oliver, were the two defensive players representing Oklahoma State yesterday. They both said – that they really like Nardo. They've been enjoying learning the 3-3-5 defense. Colin Oliver switched from defensive end to a linebacker this year, and he's fired up. He's ready to go. He said he's looking to get his first interception this season. And fun fact, Corey Black, senior on the team, one of only a handful. I think he's only one of four Cowboy defenders to have started every game last year. He has yet to get a interception in his college career. So I asked him, who is going to get that first? And of course, Corey said he'd have three before Colin has one. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I don't know anything about Corey Black. <laughs> I mean, I recognize the name. Yeah, um, I know he's the cornerback. I know he's, you know, he he played a lot last year. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, look, if if it kind of goes two ways. If you're a corner and a lot of people don't know your name, usually that's a good thing. Right. It means you're not making a whole bunch of mistakes, but also you want people to know your name because that means you're being aggressive and that you're a playmaker. Right. You're going out and snagging some balls against interceptions. So I can see why for him, he would say that it's exciting learning the three, three, five defense, because, you know, I've said it in multiple episodes as a DB, this scheme, this type of defense is just so fun to play in. But um, 
Yeah, I don't. I, honestly, I don't really know what to make much of that. Hopefully, he can get a little lucky this season. Yeah, Corey has 18 solo tackles and 25 total and a forced fumble. So, a little quick stat for you. Yeah, so uh, I like to. No, I was going to ask you a question. Does it just tell me about Colin Oliver? I saw him in in some of the photos and videos that were coming out of Big Twelve Conference Day. Is it just me, or did he look kind of small? Well, he switched to linebacker. So you think he probably maybe so cut some weight? I believe he cut a little bit of weight to be a little bit more agile. Yeah, I think that where we saw Colin Oliver thrive the most was his freshman year whenever he was asked to rush the passer a lot more than he was asked uh, last season. So hopefully yeah. we see a lot more of that from him where he's just, hey, they're just letting him go and they're, you know, they're telling him sick him. And that's why I think that Corey Black, I mean, it makes more sense for me to say he would get more interceptions because Oliver should be rushing the quarterback and Corey Black would benefit from having you know, a quarterback under pressure and you can go pick off the pass. Teamwork. You know, teamwork. Exactly. Imagine that teamwork. crazy concept work. We will see. It was just fun. You know, it's always fun when the guys start poking fun of each other and talking about stats and tra trash talking in a competitive way, not in a mean way. So Need that. But also saw the new uniforms up close in yeah. person yesterday for the first time on actual players, not a mannequin, not a hanger. And they mm -hmm. looked sharp. Colin, he said that he liked the all white icy look. I asked him what his favorite combination was, and I think it was Preston who said he liked the orange, black, orange. What did we wear for Bedlam a couple years ago? Was that orange, black? Justin? Well, in 2021, it was black, black, orange. Maybe that was it. I forget. I think he liked one of the Bedlam looks. I don't remember which one it was, and I forget mm -hmm. the exact combination. But I do remember Colin liked the all-white icy Look. That all white is so clean. Yeah, mm -hmm. Lo love that all white look. Uh, Justin, I remember you saying that you wish that there wasn't a stripe on the mannequin. Right. Uh, that was displayed at Big Twelve. I mean, I, I tend to agree mm -hmm. with you. I think it just looks cleaner whenever you just put the you know put the brand on the side and you know, let it be all white. Yeah, I mean, I see I see what they're doing, and like the helmet uh, by itself looks fine with the stripes, but with that particular unique combo, it looks like it should be reserved for a white, black, white, or an all white with the black numbers because you have a, a black stripe predominantly going down the middle of the, the, the helmet. You got a black yeah. face mask. So with it being paired with the orange jersey, white pants, I just wasn't a big fan. Like I'm like, yeah. you guys could have just left the stripe off and it would have been that much cleaner. I agree, man. Fully. fully. That contrast <laughs> matters so much. That contrast okay. matters so much. Tell Justin Williams you don't like it and maybe he'll fix that for <laughs> When it's being worn. This is like in a game. the most nitpicking uh, that you can minor. possibly do. Other, yeah, such a minor thing. I, oh, it's a, a perfect uniform with a, a few little tweaks. Like Ju uh, Justin, do you like – sorry, this is so random. Just a random <laughs> uniform question. Do you prefer lower socks or higher socks whenever oh, – Mid socks, man. Just like, you know, right there in the middle. Uh, I would say, you know, like – just right, right there at the calf, you right, know, right yeah. underneath. Because like that, I feel like that's unique to college football. You can't see that in the NFL. You have to have right. the high socks for the NFL. Yeah. But if you're, I don't like the low socks. Like I, I just, I saw. I think it was really popular whenever we were in high school. Right? Yeah, it was like yeah, low socks the ankle trash. socks. Lo and, yeah, low socks are trash. And it just doesn't look good. I'm looking back at pictures and I'm like, what was I thinking? You know, like we should, we should have embraced the mid mid-level socks 
Uh, I think Vince yeah. Young probably helped out make make that kind of a popular trend for a little while. But uh, nah, it's not it's not the timeless look that you think of with college football. So yeah, yeah. If if you're gonna go mid socks, everything else you got to balance it out in another way. I I prefer long socks where you can't see the leg at all. But if you're gonna go mid socks, like you that's your go. NFL experience talking. Yeah, that's I think how so. I feel too. It just, I don't know, it's a cleaner look. However, if you're going to go with those mid socks, then like the accessories have to be on point. You know, you got to, you got to bounce it out. And, and I will say this as far as long socks go, it looks a lot better if it has like that triple stripe we see in Homecoming. I don't like yeah. to see just plain white long socks or plain black socks. They got to have some kind of design element to it. Like uh, the throwback Miami Dolphins that they, oh, yeah. they had. I mean, okay. that looks really good. You know, Some of the best break, uniforms you'll ever see right there. A, a lot of the NFL ones are broken up. They're like half and half. They got like the color in the top half and then white on the bottom half. Yeah. So, How do you feel about crop tops? Like when players like, you know, they, the worst jerseys. No, that's yeah. the worst. Like that trend needs to die immediately. Right. It's, 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 it's embarrassing. You're good with uniform yeah. questions. Can we move on to some big 12, big 12 news? <laughs> Fine. <laughs> sorry. Nine. Sorry to cut this fashion talk <laughs> short, but we got some big 12 updates. For the people, yes, Yormark, the big the big topic of conversation at Media Days was expansion. Brett Yormark was asked several questions about his plan for the future, and he said that they have a plan, the Big 12 has a plan, but he's not going to elaborate further. The main thing that he said was that he is okay with the 12-team conference, which we will see next year when OU and Texas leave. However, he's open to expanding. The main focus is adding teams who bring value. There is strength in numbers, but he won't chase numbers. Yeah. What do you think? Hey, I'm telling you right now, man. Like I said last time, OU and Texas leave, go straight to the ACC. Get Clemson, get Florida State. If it doesn't work with one of those, get the University of Miami. I think that is the way to go. ACC has a terrible media deal. They're locked into it for several years. And a team can come into the Big 12, make up for the buyout in about three years and be good to go. So, yeah. Um, yeah, if, if it fits the values in the direction of where, in which the conference is trying to go, please. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm also fine with uh, reaching out to Colorado. I think with Deion Sanders and that personality, it's a just a big – it's going to be a big brand nationally. I mean, Colorado kind of already is. They've been down for a while. But if he can bring them back, then absolutely. And if OSU is going to be playing them and beating them, on a national level, then that, that just looks good for OSU too. Cause otherwise, I mean, if we're, if I'm being a hundred percent honest, all this big 12 talk, like, I don't really care. Like I don't have the conference pride as far as like some of these sec teams do where they just love to be able to brag about Alabama and Georgia winning national championships, even though they root for Kentucky. Okay. I'm looking around. I'm looking for my cell phone. I don't have it near me anywhere. So, all right. So whenever it was announced that Colorado and Oklahoma state were going to be uh, playing each other, I have the phone number for Carl Durrell, who was the head coach at, at Colorado. So I shot him a text. I, I took a screenshot. I shot him a text. I said, yo, can't wait until we beat y'all in 20, you know, whatever year it is, like something, or something yeah, like way out there. And then he hits me back and he says, just, it, it was a laughing emoji. And he goes, man, I just hope I'm still here. 
Okay. <laughs> and as we see, he is not here. So yeah. when you base, you know, a, a conference decision based on, you know, one individual or one personality, I just don't think that's a good business model. It has to be, you know, you have to look at the brand holistically. Um, and I don't think that Colorado is strong mm-hmm. as a brand or as a university. Well, how do you really feel? I mean, I, I, I like playing them because it's an easy dub. Yeah. The other interesting comment that your Mark made, and I texted you guys right after he said it, was that he's open to more Thursday and Friday night games because Saturdays are oversaturated with college football and moving to a weeknight could, in theory, get more eyes on the Big 12. You both gave immediate thumbs down to that idea. I hate this idea so much. Like, when you think of high school football, it's Friday night lights. And guess guess what? The JV team, they play on Mondays. Like, this is the equivalent of that. This is like Maction on Tuesday night. Sure, there's football on. It might be on in the background, but I don't care about that game. Yeah. Big 12, like, if you want to stand out, just be good. Just be good. Like, elevate your play to warrant tuning in to watch those games rather than whatever's on with the SEC going on that day or whatever. Like, I don't care about thursday night games i gotta go to work the next day right like come on man like what are we doing what are we talking about thursday night friday night just so we might get more viewers like that's a laughing stock in the perception of college football fans like this is not legitimate college football because it's not the atmosphere that you see the pageantry on saturdays i don't like it i couldn't have said it any better saturdays are for college football plain and simple yeah well, the other thing, I just pulled up his transcript really quickly from his press conference. He did bring up that it's very hot during the summer months it's into the early fall. So playing on a Friday night, night might be a little bit cooler. So that was the other point that he had. And again, football. this is not something that is in the, it's something that he said that the Big 12 is open to exploring and figuring out with ESPN and Fox. So to people who also hate this idea, fear not, this is not something that we will see. Maybe we'll see it next year, who knows? But this is not yeah. something that is, a far developed it's something that is a possibility not something that is set in stone yet so fear not in all likelihood it's probably gonna happen it's probably gonna happen yeah i mean you i hate if you're talking about it it. you're it's probably gonna happen. fair fair i'm just saying i'm not speaking as if this is a done deal right (laughs) it's a dumb deal it's a dumb deal Dumb deal, dumb deal. Well, what is not a dumb deal, and I'm kind of excited about, is for the first time ever, the Big 12 championship game will have a halftime show. That was announced at Big 12 Media Days, along as Eve already mentioned, the extension with AT&T Stadium to have the Big 12 championship there through 2030. Tickets go on sale for the game on August 12th, and that is also the day that they make the announcement of who the halftime show will be. Guys, if you could pick anyone... Two two part question: Who do you want it to be, and who do you think it will be? Who do I want it to be? Justin Timberlake. Who do I think it will be? Taylor Billie Swift. Eilish. Billie Eilish, probably. Like you know, just Swift. random Gen Z type of you know people like that stuff. I guess so. Nah, they're not. younger, hipper, cooler. They got to bring in somebody who's younger, hipper, cooler. I guess that's true, especially yeah. if that's the. The, the direction that your mark is trying to go, right? He said that he wants to appeal more to Gen Z. He did. So, yeah. So if that's going to be the case, yeah, I could see someone like Billie Eilish. I don't even know if I've ever heard a Billie Eilish song. I'm not even sure. Probably hadn't realized it. Yeah. I, I don't know who that is. I think more like I, Doja Cat would be like a more. Yeah, I see. 
Yeah, well, look at where Brett Yormark just came from, right? Rock Nation. So Jay-Z is the commissioner of the conference. You're looking at, you know, probably a Rock Nation artist coming in. You got Rihanna, you got J. Cole, you got Shakira. Uh, I don't see any of those actually, like, fitting the ethos of the Big 12 conference, right? Like, Garth Brooks makes more sense. And I know it's Garth Brooks, but I wonder if they would do that because if it's ties to Oklahoma state and it's very like, it's not this distant kind tie. Of exactly. Like, and I know that more people than just Oklahoma, like Garth Brooks is a massive country artist. I understand that. But if you had him, someone said, if it was OU OSU, you could have Garth Brooks and Toby Keith. And I'm like, well, we're not going to know that until late December. If it's well, us. I'll tell you, you get to, to Toby Keith. He's not an OU alum, right? He's not an OU alum, but everybody at OU loves. Uh, or, or, sorry, he loves OU. He's a big OU I fan. I think that's it. Yes. But every OU fan and alum will agree that Garth Brooks is a better artist than uh, than Toby Keith. Uh, I think there was a poll that went out of that several years ago. They were like, "Yo, just for OU and OSU fans to answer, who's a better country?" Like, it wasn't even close, right? Garth Brooks is highly regarded as to some people they call him the goat. So. Yeah, I mean, I think that Garth Brooks would be universally accepted no matter what. Post Malone is from Houston, so if you want to like, get like a big 12 city in the mix, you could get Post Malone. Post Malone is from South Lake. Flower Mound. He's from Flower Mound. Flower Mound, yeah. Went to, yeah that's I right. was lied to. In the car yesterday, I said, who are artists <laughs> from Houston? And someone told me Post Malone. Well, Flower Mound is basically Dallas-Fort Worth area, so that's TCU, so it's still Big 12 connection. Hey, so, if you want... Uh, sources lied. If you want an artist from Houston, Jay-Z's wife. Beyonce, Beyonce, here we are. No, no, I mean the Big Twelve Conference getting Beyonce—that's gonna cost a pretty penny. Exactly. Yeah, that was the thing. I don't think Jay Z is gonna be performing. Yeah, you ain't getting Jay Z, Drake, Beyonce, Taylor Swift. That's pretty much it. Justin Bieber. All, probably yeah. all out of question. Yeah. Well, we'll find out in less than a month because August twelfth that announcement comes out, and I'm excited to see who it is. It's interesting because we had a whole debate in our car ride home yesterday about who it would be like it's got to be a country artist because it's big 12 but then with your mark wanting to appeal to gen z i don't know there are country artists but it's like well you got to think about more than the people who are in the stands you have to think about across the country because i think they said yesterday the big 12 championship was the highest rated or the most viewed championship conference championship last season so you're you're not just appealing to the people in the stands you're appealing to people across america so who does who did, you, who did you say? Who? Who did you say? Who did you want? Maybe who do you think it is? Yeah. About, who do I think it is? We had talked yeah. about Post Malone. I think Post Malone would be great because I think a lot of people really like him. And who I think it is, I feel like it might be some like, like B-list like rapper or someone mm. like a second lead. Like I, I feel like it's going to be an artist who I have no idea who they are, to be completely honest. It's going yeah. to I think that, that would be a, I think that'd probably be a bad look. Well, honestly, if we get somebody look? that we, yeah, I think if we get somebody that's a B list, we don't know. And it's like the Big 12 can't afford. No, okay. Uh, not necessarily you know. a B list. Not, not necessarily a B list. Someone, someone who I don't know, but, but like Gen Z knows. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, so an artist where it's like, oh my God, they're so popular. And I'm like, who is this True. person? So it's yeah. not so much that I'd be okay with that. Yeah. It's like, I'm just out of the loop and that's fine. Yeah. I'll, I'll correct myself. Not a B lister, but someone who I have no idea who is massive among Gen Z. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, who is this person? I, I have, you, even I have, if it's a, even if it's a country music artist, my girl, Gabby, what's her name? Gabby uh, Barrett. 
Oh yeah, Gabby Barrett. Gabby Barrett, Ooh. yo, one of the craziest country songs I've ever heard in my life. Plot twist of all plot twists, and I love this song. I literally was listening to it a couple days ago. Y'all probably know "I Hope" by Gabby oh. Barrett. Yeah. I don't like her. Um, yeah. I watch American Idol, and I thought she was really annoying. So I'm not. Oh, was she on there? She was. She came in third in like several years ago, but I'm also not a country fan, so I don't seek it out, and I don't particularly care for her because she kind of had an attitude I didn't like. Yo, just uh, just 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 listen to this this line. Her lyric says, "I hope she comes along and wrecks every one of your plans. I hope you spend your last dime put to put a rock on her hand. I hope she's wilder than your wildest dreams. She's everything you're ever gonna need, and then I hope she cheats." Like you did on me. Ooh, I was like, yo, what? I thought it was going to be a beautiful love song. And here she comes with the plot twist. I love that song. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it, it, it won an award, too. Like, the day that I discovered it, like the following day, she was on the CMAs, and she ended up winning an award. Anyway. That's some pretty good writing. That's some great writing. When we end this recording, maybe I'll listen to it as I as I make dinner. And then I hope she cheats. I just think of Carrie Underwood before he cheats, but... Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, inspiring. exciting stuff, guys. Media days, the official start of college football. We are, we are back. Seven weeks. We're back. So excited. Call us Texas. Before we wrap this up, I just want to say congratulations to these six OSU baseball players who were drafted earlier this week. Five of those players coming in the first 10 rounds tied for the second most in program history. So congrats, guys. We'll miss you in Stillwater, but we wish you the best of luck with your MLB careers. And with that, we want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Believe in OK State podcast presented by Bet Online. I am Megan Robinson, joined as always by Justin Southwell and Eve Patoba. Like, share, subscribe, follow, rate, review, all the things. And of course, go Pokes. As I get my Go out. Pokes. <laughs> go Pokes. Almost ripped my earring out, but go Pokes. <laughs>